Adult content intended for an adult audience only as this contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of this story is purely fiction and not intended for anything but the enjoyment of the listener. If you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out. Sex for Money, Rent, and Food Part 1 by Susan Jill Pucker Chapter 01 June married young, at 20, and by the time she was 25, she had three children under the age of five years old. Unable to afford any more mistakes, after a night of passion, she had her tubes tied. Now, 30 years old, her last child was in school with his brother and sister. Finally, home alone with time on her hands, she could hear herself think. Her husband worked as a machinist at Machine Die Cast Tool and made $18 an hour. A good wage for this small town, but not nearly good enough to pay all the bills, never mind to pay for any of the extras. They only have the one car, a 2004 Ford Taurus with over 100,000 miles on the odometer, and it runs like crap. Good enough for her husband, John, to make it back and forth to work, which, fortunately, was only a 10-mile round trip. Unfortunately, once he takes the car, unless she drives him to work on those days she needs to run errands, she's without transportation. John works six days a week, half day on Saturday. The overtime that he makes, usually, ten overtime hours a week, keeps them afloat. He plays the lottery every week hoping to win, but never wins more than a free bet. Forcing himself to quit smoking cold turkey, he buys his six-pack of beer every Saturday, takes the kids to the park on Sunday, and does it all over again on Monday. Most times, it's a good life with a good wife, until he gets to thinking that he wants more. Now that all three kids are in school, June had hopes of finding a part-time job to make a little extra money to tie them over, until payday Friday. Only, with nothing more than a high school education and no office or computer skills, the only place willing to hire her was McDonald's or Walmart, either of which appealed to her. That's where Larry, her classmate from high school, comes into the story. He pimps on the side. Larry, a clerk at the sporting goods store rubs elbows with customers that have a few bucks. His main girl, Josephine, got knocked up and wants to keep the baby. His other girl, Daisy, after getting beaten and robbed by one of her johns, has suddenly lost her appetite for the oldest profession and wants out of it. That's where June comes back into the story again. Hey, how you doing, Jane? What are you doing in here? It's June. Yeah, yeah, whatever so, is June a month that should mean something to me? He looked at her with a smug grin that she wiped from his face with a stare, while speaking a language that even he understood. June is my name, asshole. Oh, sorry. Can I help you find anything? John's birthday. She helped clear his blank stare by crossing her arms across her breasts, when he focused his stare to her tits. My husband's birthday is coming up and I'm shopping for a gift. She looked at Larry who started leading her to the high-end fishing gear. I only have thirty bucks to spend, Larry. She vaguely surveyed the store. What can I buy that looks like it costs more? Do you have anything on sale that's a good value? Well, what does he like to do? Does he like to hunt or fish? He punches his bag in the garage. That's about the only thing he has time to do. Between his job and helping out with the kids on weekends, he barely has time to watch television. Boxing, huh? Do you know if he has a pair of bag gloves? Bag gloves? You mean the gloves you put on your hands to hit the bag? Yeah. He said walking her over to the boxing section and picking up a nice pair of weighted Everlast gloves. Yeah, he does, but they're old, worn, and smelly. They aren't heavy like these. I don't think they're even leather. She stuck her hand inside the glove. These are nice, real nice. She smiled proudly. He's been teaching me how to hit the bag and how to throw a punch. He said that I have a good left hand. Yeah, these are the best bag gloves we have, Jane. He said and corrected himself, when she shot him another look. I mean, June. How much are they? These are too much. He said looking inside and pulling out the tag. These are a hundred bucks. 
he held them up like he was holding a trophy. These are what the professional boxers use. Yeah, well, that's way out of my budget, she said pulling the glove off her hand and gently setting it down, as if it was an expensive dish of chinaware. She tightened the grip of her shoulder bag while looking off in other directions of the store. I'll tell you what, he said rubbing his mouth, as if he was a man dying of thirst. He had a thoughtful face, as if he was about to tell her a secret. Larry took her all in with one look. He peered down her gaping sweatshirt, when he threw his arm around her shoulder. She had a nice set of C-cup tits and with a little makeup, her hair cut and colored, and a proper outfit, she'd look pretty hot, hot enough for someone to pay big bucks to fuck and or suck. When is John's birthday? Oh, she said slithering away from his hold. I have some time, not until next month, August 27th. Good. That's good, he said, as if he was arranging his schedule in his mind to attend John's birthday party, after being invited. Only June hadn't invited him. He studied her figure again with a look that paid special attention to her hips. She had a nice ass and great legs for someone, who has given birth to three kids. Most of the women he knows have already started packing on the pounds. These are going on sale in a couple of weeks, marked down to $69 and with the employee discount that I receive, I'll pick them up for you for your 30 bucks. Actually, I get a 20% discount and can buy them for $55. I only have $30 to spend, she said looking at Larry with suspicion. Don't worry about it, June. I'll make up the difference, as my gift to you for your husband, he said with a creepy smile. Really? You'd do that for me? Why? She looked at him with suspicion. Sure, we go way back, Jane. He said her name wrong again. It's June. Yeah, sorry, whatever. I had a brain freeze. He looked at her face again. Had anyone known he was a pimp looking for a hooker to work the upcoming holiday season at the hotel downtown, June was certainly pretty enough to make him some much-needed extra money and fill his stable of none. He handed her his salesman's business card. My cell phone number is on there. Give me a call in a few weeks and I'll drop off the gloves when John's not home. Thanks, Larry. Yeah, sure, no problem he said watching her ass wiggle away as she left him and the store behind. A few weeks later June called Larry. Hello? Hi Larry. Who's this? June. June? June who? I don't know any dame named June. Bag glove June from the sporting goods store, she said with a laugh, ready to hang up the phone. Oh June, yeah, hi. How are ya? John works Saturday mornings. She felt the uncomfortable silence. My husband, birthday John. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. You're the birthday bag glove lady. Yes. She said relived that he finally remembered her. And you want me to drop the bag gloves off Saturday morning, while he's at work? Yes, and I'll pay you the $30 for the gloves. $30? Yeah, you said that the gloves were going on sale for $69 and with your discount that you could get them for $55. You told me that you'd make up the difference. She said with nervous anticipation, while thinking what else she could buy her husband on short notice, should Larry not come through with the gloves. Did I say that? Suddenly June was in a panic. Yeah, you did, Larry. I thought I said $50. Well, if that's the case, then forget about. I'm just having some fun with you, Jane. I mean, June. That Saturday morning, Larry was out to her house dropping off the bag gloves for John's upcoming birthday party. Hi, Larry, come in. She said suddenly having second thoughts about inviting Larry in her house, but the kids were in the living room playing video games. It wasn't as if she was alone with him. Here are your gloves, Jane. It's June, Larry, like the month. Yeah, right, sorry. I guess I have one of those mental blockades. Once I get something in my head, I can't remove it. June, June, June. Okay, I got it. Here's your thirty dollars, she said handing him a ten and a twenty with a smile. Thank you so much for doing this for me, Larry. I very much appreciate the favor. Maybe I can do you a favor sometime. Yeah, sure, no problem. He looked behind her at her bedroom, and she responded by blocking the doorway with more of her body. Her small house was eternally cluttered with the toys of three kids playing everywhere in the house. She relented and stepped away from her open bedroom door, when he insisted with his look. Do you want a cup of coffee? She deflected his attention from her bedroom to the kitchen. Sure, I'd like that. We can catch up on old times, he said following behind her. She led him to the kitchen where he sat waiting for his coffee. Cream and sugar? 
No, just black, please. She sat and sipped her coffee, while wishing she hadn't invited him in her house, when her husband wasn't home, but there was no other way to get the boxing gloves. She could have met him at the store, but she didn't have a car. Wishing she never allowed him to do her the favor of getting the bad gloves, she wished he'd just leave. He gave her the creeps for some reason, probably the way that he looked at her, undressing her with his eyes. Her husband would be home soon, and he was the jealous sort with a violent temper. So, do you like working at the sporting goods store? Like it? It sucks. It's just a job that I do to make contacts. Contacts? What do you mean, contacts? I operate an escort service. Really? An escort service? Here in Nowersville? She laughed. I wouldn't think there'd be a need to hire an escort around here with everyone knowing everyone and there's no place to go, except for the movie theater, the diner, the gas station, the strip mall, the factory, and the hotel. She said pausing with the image of the hotel in her head. Now she understood why someone would need an escort. That's right. We have a hotel and a convention center downtown. A man gets lonely and wants the company of an attractive female for coffee, dinner, he said pausing, and dessert. June quietly sipped her coffee wondering about the life of an escort. It sounded so much more exciting than keeping house and watching over three, small kids. John never takes her anywhere. There's never any extra money or time for a movie. It's always such a bother trying to find a babysitter for three kids and scrapping up the money to pay the babysitter puts them over their entertainment budget, when they can just barely afford the tickets to the movie. Just curious. What does something like that pay? Larry jumped at the opportunity to sell his service to her. It depends, June. He said getting her name right this time. It depends on what? On the time spent together and the level of service you give the customer. Some of these out-of-town city slickers tip pretty good for women, who are extra nice to them, if you know what I mean. He said with a wink and a sick smile. Nice to them? What do you mean by nice? June was no dummy and could tell that Larry was holding back and not being forthcoming with information. What would a girl have to do to make the big tips? Well, you know, some guys get lonely and might want to spend some alone time with the escort in the privacy of their hotel room. You mean sex? She stood and shot him a look. Prostitution? The thought of having sex with a strange man excited her, but made her sick to her stomach at the same time. She had only been with John. They were steady boyfriend and girlfriend since high school. She's never even seen another man's cock, never mind touched one, other than John's cock. It's none of my business what two consenting adults do behind closed doors, June. He said raising his hands and waving them like little stop signs at a railroad crossing. So long as I get my piece of the pie, everyone is happy. He said taking a sip of his coffee. Think of me as a facilitator, a matchmaker, eh? You're a pimp, aren't you? I don't refer to myself as a pimp. I'm in the entertainment business. I'm more of a provider of a lady of the night to a gentleman of distinction. There are those who travel the country and who appreciate the attention of a beautiful woman when in an unfamiliar town. Traveling for a living is a lonely business, and I'm here to help fill that need. You dress it up all fancy like Larry, but it still smells like you're just looking for a whore. She gave him a hard look. Is that why you came sniffing around me? Is that why you got me a good deal on boxing gloves for my husband hoping to get on my good side and hoping that I'd work for you? Listen, June, everyone can use a bit of extra pocket money. The work is easy. You go only as far as you want. The rest is up to you. There's no pressure. No strings. Some guys are so lonely for a woman's companionship that they just want to talk. Some guys just want to feel and see your tits. Other guys expect a little more, a hand job. Some of my girls make as much as a thousand dollars a night for giving guys blowjobs and more. He gave her his smug look. Do you suck cock, June? Get out of my house, Larry. Come on, June, it's just sex. He said wrapping an arm around her waist, in the way of a boa constrictor. Get out, Larry. She said pushing against his chest and unwinding herself from his grasp, while pushing him out the door with a straight arm. Listen. He said turning to face her and reaching out his hand to cup her tit through her blouse. You have my card, call me if you change your mind and if you want dash, my husband will be home soon. She said looking down and watching his fingers find and feel her nipple. And if you don't want him trying out his birthday gift on your face, I suggest you leave. Now. Even though the thoughts of being an escort intrigued her, at first, she didn't think of the sexual requirements of the job, until now. Sounding like fun, she thought only of the entertainment factors, going out to eat, 
attending shows, and having interesting conversation with someone of the opposite sex. Now, June didn't think any more about Larry or about his escort business. She rationalized that when Larry presented her the proposition, she had just sent her last child to school and was bored with her life of housewife. Now, thinking more about and confronted with the reality of what was expected of her as an escort, she decided that she couldn't sell herself for any amount of money. It made her skin crawl to think about another man kissing her, touching up, and expecting her to give him a hand job, blow job, or to fuck her. Notwithstanding how she first felt about having sex with a man, other than her husband, when she thought about the feel of a stranger's cock in her hand, in her mouth or up her pussy, she became sexually aroused. Maybe she'd reconsidered, if the money was right and the man was nice. She could do it with an attractive man, someone more her age, but chances are that she'd have to escort a much older man, someone who wasn't as attractive and or appealing. Suddenly she thought of a bald, fat man in his fifties sickened her. She threw up in her mouth a little and her skin crawled again. Besides, what would she say to John? How would she get out of the house? How would she explain the sudden infusion of money? In all the years together, she had never lied to him, not once, not ever. Still, there was a flicker of excitement whenever she thought about Larry fondling her tit. Even though Larry was not much to look at, wasn't her type, and she wasn't attracted to him, his sudden touch of her nipple through her blouse and brow with his fingertips sent sexual shivers throughout her body that made her wet with desire for the attention of a man, other than her husband. She wondered what it would be like to make love to Larry and to suck his cock. She wondered what his cock looked like, if he was cut or uncut, and how big he was. He had made her horny enough that day, but she resisted reaching down and feeling his erection. She knew that he had one because she saw it grow, as soon as he touched her breast. Now, she wished he had forced her hand down on his erection and made her touch his cock and feel it. While she touched her wet spot in the privacy of her closed bedroom, she wished that he had forced her to blow him. She liked the attention that he gave her, and the way that he looked at her was how John used to look at her. The realization scared her that she'd do anything to receive that attention again. Moving her finger away from her pussy, she quickly erased the thoughts of Larry from her mind. John had steadily been working fifty-plus hours a week and he was always so tired, too tired to do anything, even have sex, except for her giving him a blowjob. He was always in the mood for that. He was never in the mood to spend some extra time pleasuring her. Yet, when it came to reciprocating and satisfying her sexually, he had already turned over and gone to sleep. They hardly ever made love anymore, not since the kids were born, one right after the other. And now, with the things that had suddenly happened and changed their lives for the worse, John was depressed. Sometimes he had trouble getting it up and would suddenly go soft in her mouth. Tired of having to satisfy herself with her fingers, she was always so horny. She missed the feeling of a man inside of her humping her, while fucking her. She missed the romance and the attentiveness that diminished more with the birth of each child. Now, with her days filled with drudgery and with one day melding into the next, until she didn't know what day it was, except for the joy of her children, she felt that there was no purpose to her life. She was too young to give up her life to them and to relegate her identity to just that of wife, housekeeper, and mother. She wanted something more. She wanted some excitement in her life. Only, there was never any extra money for anything. She couldn't remember the last time John took her out to eat, or to a movie, or bought her flowers. She couldn't remember when there was money enough to get her hair done. Forget about buying something new. The next few months were rough. The manufacturing plant where her husband worked had fallen upon hard times with cash flow problems, and he soon became nervous about his job. He had seniority, but it was not a union shop and they had just cut out all of his overtime to save money due to production cuts. Now, June was hard-pressed to live on his regular paycheck without the overtime. They had continually counted on that extra money. The overtime is what kept them afloat. It was a trickle-down effect and they were at the bottom of the trickle. General Electric, the company's biggest customer, gave a large contract to India with some of the work that would have come his company's way was now earmarked for overseas. Unless the company found new customers and more business, layoffs were inevitable. Even the local McDonald's and Walmart weren't hiring. Suddenly, everyone was tightening their belts readying for a recession. There were no jobs and those that had jobs were digging in and doing everything that they could do to keep them. People stopped spending money. Entertainment, movies and going out to dinner were the first things to stop. Restaurants were shortening their hours or closing completely. Especially with all the mortgage foreclosures, everyone feared a recession that could last years. 
Their worst fears materialized when John was laid off indefinitely a week before Thanksgiving. Normally, the company passed out turkeys to their employees, but this year there wasn't even the money to do that. They had no savings to fall back on and the realization that John wouldn't receive his extra week's pay as a Christmas bonus that they used to buy the kids gifts on layaway at Toys R Us was a reality check of what was to come. John's unemployment check, which was much less than his regular salary that they struggled to live on, was all that they had now. With the three little ones always getting sick or hurt, with doctor's bills and prescription drugs part of their yearly budget, she didn't know what to do to make ends meet. June had gotten through plenty of tough times, but this time was worse than what she had experienced. They had an adjustable rate mortgage and the interest rate suddenly jumped up three points and $200 more a month. They had expected the increase and were hoping to refinance their mortgage for a lower fixed rate, but now with John out of work they were at the bank's mercy. Moreover, their only car needed a transmission and their temporary health insurance had higher copays and less coverage. Financial ruin was quickly closing in upon them. Now, the extra money they paid on their credit cards to help pay down their debt was now reduced to minimum payments that only kept them current with the interest charged. June had nightmares that she was drowning and she was. She was drowning in debt. They needed an infusion of money to stop the bleeding. June panicked. She didn't want to lose her house. She needed to have transportation and she wanted her children to have the best health care available. She had only graduated high school and without having an education and or skills she had little to offer an employer. Employers had their pick of applicants, who had college degrees and years of experience. She called Larry. Chapter 02 June picked up the telephone receiver three times and hung it up three times. The fourth time, she dialed the number and, holding back her tears, she cradled the receiver to her breast. Hello? 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 Hi Larry, it's June. She said finally lifting the receiver to her ear and mouth. Well, well, well. Do you need more sporting goods because this time, after the way you treated me the last time, it will cost you full price. I apologize for my rude behavior, Larry, but you must understand that John is the only man I've ever been intimate with and you shocked me when you grabbed my breast and fingered my nipple. You probably felt the same way the first time he fucked you, June, no doubt. Right? Am I right? Right? Yeah, sure, no doubt, you probably still think that you're a virgin. After birthing three children, I'm sure that I don't think of myself as a virgin, Larry, she said with a laugh. Besides, just because John and I were in love and I was a virgin, when we had intimate relations, doesn't mean that I'm a prude either. I've been around. His abrupt manner reinforced her reason for not wanting to call him. She felt sick to her stomach and it took all the control she had not to slam the receiver down in his ear. Love, what is love anyway? No one is in love with anyone. We all love ourselves too much to love someone else. We all love money. Money is what we love. Money is the only thing that anyone loves. There's no room for love without money and there's no room for love with money. Money gets in the way of love, June. You can live without love, but you can't live without money. She hoped that he wasn't right. You're wrong, she wanted to say, but didn't. His sudden outburst, albeit somewhat prophetic, shocked her. After being so poor for so long, after her lack of money has diminished her love for her husband, she knew he was right. Nonetheless, she didn't want him to know that she agreed with anything that he said or thought, except for that bitter fact that she needed money to make ends meet. Moreover, upping his use from a six-pack a week to a six-pack a day, John had started drinking again. There were no jobs and his unemployment was quickly running out. Bill collectors were calling night and day. Can we meet somewhere out of town where we can talk over a cup coffee? You can meet me here at my place, June, said Larry. No one will see you. The thought of meeting Larry at his place excited her and revolted her at the same time. Having never been alone with another man without her husband and or her children acting as her protectors and preservers of her reputation, it had been a long while since she had sex and she was horny, but not necessarily for Larry. She was horny for the warm feel of a hard cock inside of her pussy. I'd rather we met at a public place where we can dash. Is that what you're going to tell all your clients when you're called to escort them? Hell, if you can't even meet face to face with me, your manager, then maybe we shouldn't even be having this conversation. She thought about it. He was right. Besides, what did it matter? Either she was going through with this or not. Either she was doing this or not. Larry wasn't a problem. She could cold cock, if he became fresh, in the way he did, 
when he grabbed her breast and fingered her nipple through her blouse and bra. Truth be told, in the horny way she felt right now, she wouldn't so mind him touching her in that way again. Okay, okay, what time? You know where I live. Knowing him like she did, he probably still lived at home with his mother. Are you still on Heather Lane? Yes. What time? Now meet me now. No, I can't. I have the kids. John went out to the employment agency. I don't know when he'll be back. She thought, figuring, no doubt, he'd hit the bar to feel sorry for himself over one too many beers, before heading home drunk. She pondered what time was a good time to meet Larry. I'll meet you tonight, around 8 p.m., after I put the kids to bed. I'll make an excuse to John to leave. I'll see you then and don't dash. The sound of his voice grated on her nerves and she hung up the phone, before he finished any more of his stupid talk. John didn't come home. Just as she figured, he was out drunk somewhere feeling sorry for himself. She called her mother to babysit the kids, while she went to meet with Larry. Hoping he wouldn't be stupid enough to drive home drunk, John had the car, so she had to take the bus to his house. Excited at the same time with the thought of the sexual adventure, she was sick with the thoughts of working for Larry and having sex with strange men. She was tired from her worry that caused her not to sleep a full night. Desperate and unable to think of what else to do, they were stuck. She didn't want to lose her house. She didn't want to be put out in the street by the sheriff, like some stray dog. There wasn't even enough equity in the house to sell it. They only bought it three years ago and had to pay points and a higher interest rate that was now even higher. They stood to lose the down payment they put down to buy the house, if the bank was to take it. She walked up the path that led to Larry's house. The houses were far enough apart, and the bus stop was not near any of the houses that no one saw her. Besides, except for Larry, she didn't know anyone from this part of town. She hadn't been down around here in years, when she had to go this way to go to high school. Larry was waiting for her on his front porch with a big-ass smile on his face, as if to tell her that he knew she changed her mind and worked for him. The little sexual excitement she had with the thoughts of escorting strange me, while traveling on the bus was replaced by fear. She didn't trust him. For all that she knew, maybe his escort business was all imagined. Maybe this was just a ruse to get her alone. It took you long enough to get here. You said eight o'clock? It's almost eight thirty, he said holding up his watch arm. I figured you weren't coming. I was just about to go out to check on my stable of women. He said lying. The only woman he hoped to have was her. I had to wait for my mom to get to the house. Then I had to wait for the bus. John has the car. She said without looking up at him, suddenly filled with dread. I would have picked you up he said and she shot him a look that told him that was a bad idea. Your mom could have dash. How could I explain that I was going to your house? Yeah, well, if you're working for me, that's a bridge we'll have to cross because I'll need you to make your appointments on time. Come inside, he said acting like the gentleman that he wasn't by holding the door open for her. As soon as he closed the front door behind her, he was all over her trying to kiss her. When she resisted his attempts to kiss her, he felt her ass. When she pushed him away, he squeezed her tits. She felt like she was back in high school at the drive-in. Then, when he tried lifting up her blouse, she kneed him in the balls. Jesus Christ, June. Great. That's just great. He said. Is that what you're going to do, if a paying client wants a little sexual comfort? A sexual little comfort? Is that what you were trying to do? I thought you were attacking me. She said with smugness. She stepped back from him and fixed her clothes. I don't know, Larry, I just don't know what I'd do if someone attacked and molested me in the way you just did. She looked at him bent over and holding himself. I'm sorry. You surprised me. It was just a knee-jerk reaction she said with a laugh. I didn't expect that from you. She said taking a step forward to touch his shoulder. Are you okay? He rushed at her again, and they struggled. He kissed her hard this time and she pulled away, but he pushed her back up against the wall again and kissed her again. He was too strong for her, and even though she could have struggled more to resist him, this time, she allowed him to kiss her and, when he forced his tongue past her lips, she allowed that, too. He reached between her legs and felt her where no one but John has ever touched her. Even though she recoiled from his touch, she responded by not brushing his hand away. Obviously, for him to touch her in the way, touching her through her pants and panties, he knew how to pleasure a woman. She was glad she decided to wear pants and not her short skirt. Immediately, as it had before, 
His hand found her breast, and she allowed him to touch her there, too. His hands were all over her big tits. Fondling and caressing her breasts, he fingered her nipples through her blouse and bra. She stopped him when he started unbuttoning her blouse. What the hell you doing, Larry? This is how it works, June. You gotta have sex with me first, before I hire your ass. How do I know if you're any good? How do I know how much to charge my clients if I don't know what you can do? She looked at him with as much horniness, as she looked at him with emptiness. He made her feel dirty. She was sickened by the thought of him having sex with her. She was sick to her stomach and wanted to vomit all over him. Having already thought about it, she wanted to escort men, talk to them, go to dinner with them, watch a movie, and have a drink. Maybe she'd even go as far as a goodnight kiss and some light petting, but not this desperate groping and, especially, not in this way. More akin to a wrestling match, this had nothing to do with making love. Only, there was nothing romantic about trading sex for money. Love had nothing to do with prostitution. She thought of her alternatives and there were none. The phone, gas, and electricity were due for shutoff if she didn't pay the past due balance, at the very least. She needed money and she needed money now. She moved her hand away and allowed him to continue unbuttoning her blouse. Larry unbuttoned her blouse and splayed it wide open. No man but her husband had ever seen her in just her bra before. As if he was a starving man hoping to suck out some milk, he fell upon her bra-covered breasts and sucked her nipples through her bra. That's going to leave a mark on her bra, she thought, deciding to wash her bra as soon as she got home. He reached down and unbuttoned her cuffs, slipped her blouse from her shoulders, and removed it. Then, he reached down fumbling with her button, before unzipping her pants and forcing them down to her ankles. He lifted her feet out of her pants and pushed them aside with his foot. Standing in front of Larry in her bra and panty, June didn't help him strip her. She couldn't. She was somewhere else thinking other thoughts. She was anywhere but here with Larry having his way with her body. Such a fairy tale romance and marrying her childhood sweetheart, what has her life become? Comatose like she was in shock. She didn't more. She couldn't move. Next, he reached behind him and unhooked her bra. The smell of his cologne, English leather, she didn't know they still made that fragrance, upset her stomach. Once he removed her bra, he was all over her C-cup tits. Always proud of her natural C-cup breasts, so firm and so shapely, they were magnificent. He took a step back to look at them before reaching out to touch them, feel them, and caress them. He fingered her nipples, tugged at them, and pulled them out until they were fully erect. Then, he moved forward to take them in his mouth. You have beautiful breasts, June. The best tits I've ever seen and I've seen so beautiful knockers to know that you big boobs are the best. Thank you, Larry. She said looking down at him staring at her tits. If she had a cigarette, she'd smoke it, but she didn't smoke. If he had offered her a beer, she'd drink it, but she didn't drink alcohol either. Always a good girl, if being bad meant that she'd be good to make more money in tips, then she was prepared to be bad, very bad. When he leaned down to suck her nipples, with thoughts of her baby sucking her tits, she cradled the back of his head with her hand running her fingers through his hair. It was a mindless reaction. Forgetting for a moment that it was Larry sucking her tits, it felt good to feel him suck her nipples. She imagined he was someone else. She imagined he was John and that everything was okay between them. Only it wasn't John. It was Larry. It had been a long while since John or any man paid her any attention to her, even if that attention came from Larry. He felt her between her legs and through her panty fingering her pussy through the cotton material, before pulling them down and off. She felt so violated. He fell to his knees and, as if smelling the natural, musky scent of her, he stuck his nose in her untrimmed bush. She felt so humiliated. You need to either shave all this hair off or trim it. Guys don't like a full bush unless they have a fetish for it and pay for you to grow it. Most guys want a shaved beaver. He pulled her by her arm to his bedroom and French kissed her deeply before pushing her back on the bed. Wait, she said, pulling away from him. Where's your mom? She died last year. Oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry, Larry, she said without receiving an acknowledgement from him. I like your body, June. We can make money with what you have to offer men and women. Women? She hadn't thought about having sex with a woman until he mentioned it. She wasn't lesbian, but the thought of being with a woman appealed more to her than it did having a bald, fifty-something, fat man pawing her. Quickly he stripped out of his clothes and offered his erect cock to her. She took it in her hand without looking at him and held it without stroking him. 
How could she fall so far so fast? After never even lying to her husband, here she was naked and in bed with another man and about to cheat on her husband with the devil himself. Help me, Jesus, she thought, but Jesus didn't answer her prayers, when Larry stuck his cock deep inside of her mouth. Look at me, he said. Make me feel that you really want me. Stroke my cock, June. Your money, your return customers, and your tips depend on how good you make your man feel. He moved closer to her. Take my cock in your mouth. Suck it and while you're sucking me, look up at me and smile to show me that you're enjoying sucking my cock, as much as I'm enjoying having you suck my cock. She stroked him while staring at his circumcised cock. He wasn't very big, certainly much smaller than John. She looked up at him before looking down at his erect cock and before taking him in her mouth. She stroked him as she sucked him, while looking up at him with her brown eyes. She twirled her tongue all around his head, while stroking him faster and hoping that he'd come soon, just to end this unpleasant experience. Although it had not been that long since she sucked John's cock, finally in the mood enough to suck Larry, she was horny enough to blow him, too. Okay, that's enough. He said moving away from her head and moving between her legs. Show me what you got. Fuck me senseless, June. Fuck me, as if you love me. He said with his sick, little laugh. She humped him as soon as he inserted himself in her pussy. She was already wet. She was so horny that she would have fucked anyone at this point, even Larry. It had been a long while, since she had gotten laid. Unfortunately, Larry was a disappointment. He wasn't much of a fuck. He shot a load of cum within five minutes slam bam. She was so glad she made the decision to have her tubes tied. She'd never want to be pregnant again, especially with his baby or anyone's baby. That was incredible. You're the best piece of ass I've ever had. She figured that she was the only piece of ass he ever had and wondered which farm animal won the prize for second place. So, she said looking at him. So what? How much would I make on my back sucking and fucking someone like that, in the way I just did you? For all that you did and for the way that you look? You'd be my top earner. I'd charge 50 bucks just for a hand job, 100 dollars for a blow job, and 200 bucks for intercourse, and more, if you stayed the whole night, and even more, if they wanted you to stay the entire weekend. Give, she said extending her hand palm up. Give what? You owe me $350. The fuck I do, he said staring her down. I gave you a hand job, blew you, and fucked you. That's 50 for the hand job, 100 for the blow job, and 200 for you fucking me. You owe me $350. I'm not paying you shit. She stood and erected all of her 5 feet 9 inches frame against his 5 feet 7 inches skinny body. Then, she put her hand to his scrawny neck, squeezed, and pushed him up against the wall. I need the money, Larry. If you want me to work for you, you'll pay me what you took from me and what you owe me. Pay me or I'll beat it the fuck out of you. She squeezed her hand tighter around his neck. Oh, and thanks for the bad gloves. My husband has been teaching me a few moves. Okay, okay, but you're working for me now. After this, you dance to my music and whatever I say goes. I set up the appointments and you do the rest. Whatever you make, we split 70 thirtieths, 70 for me and 30 for you. Fuck you. We me taking all the risks, the split is 50-50. She said squeezing tighter. Okay, okay, 60 fortieths and we have a deal. 50-50. She said squeezing tighter and pushing him back harder. Fuck. Okay, okay. He said gasping for breath, while nodding his agreement. She let him go, and he walked to his dresser. He removed a roll of money from his sock drawer, peeled off some, and counted out $350. After this, when you give me another hand job, blow me, and fuck me again, the price is $175 with me taking out my split. Don't worry about that, Larry. I'll never touch your scrawny, little cock again, with my hand, mouth, and or pussy. I'll see you back here Saturday night. I have a couple of clients, who need some comforting, if you know what I mean. Here at your house? She looked around the small house. We're going to do it here. My place is cheaper and more private than any hotel and just as comfortable. Besides, I can take care of things should there be a problem. He said pulling out a handgun from his drawer. Put that away, before you shoot yourself. She said backing away, before he accidentally shot her. June took a ride home from Larry. He let her out a few streets from her house. When she opened the door and went to her bedroom, her mother and John were drunk, naked, and in bed together.
Chapter 03 Mom! John! What the fuck? Are you kidding me? She threw her handbag at her husband. He blocked it with his big hand and all the contents spilled out all over the floor and the bed. Lipstick, makeup, change, checkbook, and money, $350, to be exact, flew in every direction. June, John, and June's mother, Nancy, stared down at the three crisp $100 bills with a 50. John reached for it, but June rushed over, scooped it up, and stuffed it down her bra, before he could get his big mitts on it. Where you'd get that kind of money? As if looking at her for the first time, he looked at her with a hard stare. And why are you dressed like that, like a whore? She figured that this wasn't the first time John and her mother were together. They were always flirting and laughing over their private jokes that she never got. Why not? John was a good-looking guy and her mother was lonely. She was still very attractive. No doubt, with her sucking and fucking her husband, she still had sexual desires, lustful needs, and incestuous urges. It was a small town with only so many available men. There was no place for her mother to go to meet someone without having the entire town gossiping about her. How convenient, perversely twisted, so very private, and incestuously sorted to have her get what she needs from her daughter's husband. And her husband dare calls her a whore because she fixes her hair and wears a bit of lipstick and eye makeup. How dare he, when he's nothing but a drunken scumbag. Now, it all made sense why John hasn't been having sex with her, not for a while. She figured it was because he's been drunk more than he's been sober and just couldn't get an erection. Now, she figured that he's been having sex with her mother, instead. She remembered reading that story he left open on the computer. When he rushed to go to the bathroom suddenly, Escalator stripped my mother-in-law naked by Boston Fiction Writer. He was probably in there jerking off over it, the pig. She read the story and thought it was hot, especially if you were the type of guy who was into that kind of forbidden, incestuous writing. Now, obviously seeing him naked and in bed with her naked mother, she figured that he was. She remembered one day, John had come home for lunch. He never comes for lunch. She had called her mother over to watch the kids, while she ran some errands. When she came home suddenly, after forgetting to take the prescriptions for the pharmacy, her mother came up from the cellar with her blouse buttoned up in the wrong holes. She had a drip of white stuff in the corner of her mouth that she said was foam from the latte that John had bought her. Even though she suspected differently, even though she wondered if that was the truth, she believed her. Why wouldn't she? She was her mother. Now, she wondered if it was her husband's come on her lip and not foamed milk. Now, she wondered if she had been sucking him off down the cellar, while doing laundry just before she came home from running errands. Maybe in a rush to get dressed to babysit the kids. Her blouse was like that already, and she just hadn't noticed. The two of them probably figured that they had plenty of time to fool around and they would have, had she not forgotten the prescriptions at home on the kitchen table. She never thought anything of it, that her mother was always walking around her husband in her nightgown, bending over, squatting down, and leaning over him to help pick up when June was sick in bed and needed her mother's help with the kids. She figured that John would never been interested in her 50-year-old mother's body, when he had her 33-year-old body to fuck. Now that she thought more about it, John was always free with his touchy-feely hands tickling her, holding her, and hugging her mother. She stupidly thought it was just a sign of affection between mother-in-law and son-in-law. Matter of fact, she was happy that they got along so well. Only, no she knows that it was more than that. It was sex. It was all coming back to her now. She remembered the time the three of them went to the beach and her mother asked John to put lotion on her back. She thought it was funny that, instead of rubbing her back with lotion, he stole her bikini top. The sight of her mother running after him down the beach holding her tits in her hands was hysterically funny, but not so funny now. In hindsight, it was more of the sexual games that they played. Little did they try to hide their sexual games from her naivete. He played his sexual games with her mother that he should have played with her, his wife, but with three, small children to care for and always so tied, she didn't have the time or the inclination to play any sexual games. Notwithstanding the teasing and the good relationship that he had with her mother, she trusted them. When she trusted someone, it was easy for them to cheat because she would never believe that they will, especially with her own mother. She remembered one time her mother was cleaning up the spilled cereal the kids had dropped at breakfast. John stood in the doorway watching Nancy squatting down while talking to her. From where he stood, she was certain that he had a clear view down her nightgown of her tits and up her nightgown of her pussy, as she never wore panties to bed. The thoughts sickened her and she erased them from her mind, 
while never believing that her husband would be interested and or attracted to her mother in the way that she should be attracted to her. She figured it was all in her imagination that troubled her thoughts with sleeplessly, while worrying about how to pay the bills and now worrying if John still wanted to stay married to her. She never believed that her mother would purposely flash her son-in-law, but obviously she was. She'd never think that her husband would be looking to see what he could see of her mother's tits and pussy, but obviously he was. That's crazy to think that her husband would have lustful thoughts and sexual desires for her mother, but obviously he had. She thought it was her imagination that her mom enjoyed giving John a show of her panties, bra, pussy, and tits whenever she could make it appear accidental. Now, she wondered if her mother had been flashing her husband on purpose all these years. By sexually teasing him with flashes of bits and pieces of her naked body, she wondered if her mother had been the one who lured her husband to have sex with her. Maybe it was her fault, and not his. Yet, it takes two and he could have said no but obviously he didn't. Yet, what did it matter, now? He succumbed to her sexual charms and had sex with her. He's just as guilty for having sex with his mother-in-law, as she is for sucking and fucking her son-in-law. Now, she knew what was going on between them behind her back. Now, that she's seen it with her own two eyes, she wanted them out of her house and out of her life. Had she not been witness to her mother naked in bed with her husband, she would have thought quick, made up an excuse, and lied about where she got the money. Now, because she was hurt and betrayed by the only two people she loved, besides her children, she wanted to hurt her husband and mother as much as they hurt her. Where'd you get the money? Grabbing her by the neck, in the way that she took hold of Larry, he took hold of her. Then, when she didn't answer him right away, he took her by her shoulders and shook her. He was naked and his wiggling semi-erect cock was still glistening with her mother's secretions from just having had sex with her. Disgusted by the naked sight of him, just as she did with Larry, she kneed her husband hard in the balls and he collapsed on the bed. Do you want to know where I got the money to keep a roof over our heads and feed our children, while you're out drinking, getting drunk, and fucking my mother? I fucked and sucked a man for it. Tears poured down her face. Yeah, while you were here fucking my mother, John, I had sex with a man for money, so that we can keep our house and pay our bills. I gave him a hand job, blew him, and then fucked him. Who is he? I'll kill him, he said still in pain and clutching himself, while in the fetal position with a face full of rage and a handful of ruptured balls. Get out. Both of you get out. Get out of my house, she screamed. John and Nancy gathered up their clothes and left together. I'm sorry, said Nancy to her daughter. We'll be at my house when you come to your senses and want to talk. Come to my senses? I'd have to be drunk and as crazy as you two are to have that kind of delusional sense. She slapped her mother hard across her face. Get the fuck out of my house, she said pushing her mother towards the door. Get out. Nancy had June, when she was seventeen. June swore she'd have a better life than her mother had. She never knew who her father was. Probably, her mother didn't know that either. She was drunk then, as she's drunk now. She had stopped drinking, but fell off the wagon when the man she was seeing regularly left her suddenly for someone younger. Same story, but still sad, a man dumping the woman his age for someone younger. June felt history repeating itself. She felt no escape from the poverty, from the misery, and from the hell of a life her mother had lived. The only way she knew how to make money now was to give men what they wanted. Prostitution was the only way she knew how to get herself out of poverty and misery. Only instead of climbing out of the hole she was in, she was digging it deeper. With the recent events of her husband losing his job, the possibility of them losing their house, and now the discovery of an affair between her husband and her mother, June felt history repeating itself. Can her life get any worse than this? Then, she thought of her children. At least they were healthy and relatively happy. Nonetheless, she felt no escape from poverty and misery, from the hell of a life her mother lived, and growing up in a house without a father and with little money. Suddenly, as if stuck in a twilight zone, some form of limbo, before falling to hell, she felt like she was living her mother's life. Fortunately, she was born with enough common sense not to follow in the footsteps of her mother and to outweed any man, who tried taking advantage of her. The only thing she had to make money with was her above-average intelligence, her good looks, and her hot body. That, she figured, was more than enough to improve her financial situation. Moreover, she figured that if she looked this good now, after having three kids and never having an extra dollar to properly take care of herself and groom herself, she couldn't imagine how good she'd look with some pampering. 
After digesting all that she saw between her husband and her mother, when she opened her bedroom door and saw her husband fucking her naked mother, and realizing this affair had been ongoing, she had an epiphany. She decided that she'd not only survive but also thrive. If the only way she knew how to make money now was to give men what they wanted sexually, then she'd do that. She'd prey on the weaknesses of men, and on those, who wanted to use her for sex. She'd play them for their money. It was a fair enough trade. Sex for money. With each getting what the other wanted, with the men wanting sex and she wanting money, the trade was a fair one. If prostitution was the only way she knew how to get herself out of poverty and misery and to make a better life for herself and her three kids, and to move somewhere else, away from this small town, then not only was she willing to do that but also she'd be the best damn prostitute that money can buy. After what she did with Larry and what she saw between her husband and her mom, she was already past the point of moral modesty and shock. Her choice was clear and her mind was made up. Only, she realized by embracing the devil, instead of climbing out of the hole she was in, she was digging it deeper. Nonetheless, she was a firm believer that sometimes she must go down to go up. Alone and desperate for money, June suddenly had no one to depend upon but herself. She needed money to hold on to her house. She needed money to shelter, feed, clothe, and pay for medical care for her children. Now, with her mother no longer there to help her babysit her three children, she needed money to pay for a babysitter while she made money and made love to men to make ends meet. Chapter 04 In a fit of rage over catching her husband and mother together in bed, June vented her anger by smashing his picture against the wall. Then, she took out her anger on the vase that her mother had given them for their wedding gift ten years ago. As if a reminder of her life, the smashed pieces that scattered glass across the floor somehow made her feel better, now knowing what all she needed to fix that was broken. She looked at the shattered glass, as she would her shattered life. She looked at the broken glass, as if it were puzzle pieces that once put back together would certainly show the cracks but would be whole again. Just as she was able to pick up the shards of glass, she was able to clean up and salvage her life. She may have a few cracks from putting her life back together but it was nothing she figured that she couldn't handle. Growing up in her mother's house, she's been through worse. She thought her world was over, when her husband and mother pulled out of her driveway and left her life. She thought she had hit bottom, when her husband lost his job, gave up and lost his desire to earn a living and made the decision to start drinking again. She thought she couldn't go any lower than she had, when she had no money to buy food and medicine for her children. She thought it was over when the bank threatened to foreclose on her house and put her and her kids out in the street. Now, having been shaken awake that she was the one who controlled her life and not her husband and or her mother, she realized John's drinking and her mother's cheating were the best things that could ever have happened to her. Her situation of woe had awakened the fighter in her. She wasn't going to allow her husband nor her mother to bring her and her children down, too. If they want to wallow together in the gutter then they can do that without her. Not able to go any lower than she already has, there was no way but up for her. Larry, in his country bumpkin simplicity, had shown her the way to emerge whole again from her desperate situation. She pulled the money she made that night from her purse and flattened it out on the kitchen table. She lined up the three $100 bills and a fifty, $350, in front of her. This is what she made fucking and sucking off Larry. In a few short minutes, she made nearly as much as her husband made in a week. It was then that she realized she didn't need him anymore. It was then that she realized that she was alone and dependent upon herself to make ends meet. It was then that she decided to call Larry. Hello? Larry? Hi, June. What's up? So be honest. Come on, you can tell me. Did you like what I gave you the other night and want to come back for more? Did I like what you gave me? You mean having skanky-ass sex with your skinny body? I'd rather eat shit and die than to fuck and suck you again. She said pausing in her anger to throw up a little in her mouth. Trust me, sex with you will never happen again. I was that good, huh? He said ignoring her. No matter. He said with a cackle. So anyway, speaking of you eating shit, June, I have a client who will pay you four figures to watch you eat his shit, so long as you swallow it. Geez, Larry, is there no end to this shit? No pun intended? Are your clients as fucked in the head as you are? So, let me guess. Who's your client, you? Funny, June. You're a real comedian. No, I'm not that perverted. He said with a laugh. But I can tell you stories that will make your pretty hair curl. He said with a laugh. So, what do you want then? Why are you calling me? 
I figured I'd never hear from you again. I need money, Larry, a lot of money. I want you to set me up with as many tricks as you can. Only, I don't want weirdos and psychos. Go hire some trailer trash whores to do those dudes. I only want the respectable ones doing me, married men, who aren't happy in their sex lives with their prudish wives. And if you set me up with any creeps I walk, I'll go work for someone else or I'll go into business for myself. Someone else? There's no one in this town supplying entertainment but me. And there's no way you can do this all by yourself. You need a pimp to set up your appointments and to schedule your time. You need a pimp to protect you from the head cases. He laughed his usual Larry laugh. You need me to make it all work, baby. Is that what you call it? Entertainment? Well, your show is not the only one in the sexual circus. There are plenty of others who jump at getting my ass on their street corner for sex. Okay, okay, there's no reason to panic. I have some regulars who I can call and who will treat you right, pay you well, and show you a good time. He said. That's just what I want for starters. She said with a laugh. For starters? What do you mean for starters? I have some conditions. Conditions? What do you think this is a fucking union? Next you'll be asking me for benefits, perks, a contract, and retirement. Oh no, June, hell no. Larry doesn't work that way. He spoke of himself in the third person. Larry is the one in charge, not you. About being in charge, I'm coming to that, Larry. I'm getting ready to hang up this phone, June, if you continue to disrespect me like this. Disrespect you? You don't know the meaning of the word, Larry. You disrespected yourself, when you sold yourself short by taking on the low end of the business and by hiring the trailer trash whores, who you kindly call prostitutes. They're nothing but low-life dirtbags. Besides, if you hang up on me, Larry, then you're even a dumber fuck than I thought you were. Now, listen to my proposal. Proposal? Just shut the fuck up and listen. Okay, I'm listening. I want a cell phone. Is that all? I can do that. I want a car. A car? No fucking way, June. I'm not buying you a car. And not a shitbox either. I want dependable transportation, a new car. I saw your bankroll. You must have more than a hundred grand squirreled in your sock drawer. You could easily afford to buy me one or lease me one. I don't know about no car, June. I don't even have a new car. Larry, stop thinking small time. Start thinking big. Start dreaming. Think of this as a business. And think of a car for me as an investment for the future and an asset of your corporation. An asset of my corporation, I like that. He said with a laugh. Okay, I'll think about it. What else is on your list? I want health insurance for me and for my kids. Health insurance? I don't even have health insurance. Well, you should, especially someone in your business should someone break your leg or arm. And that's not all, Larry. I'm not done. What the fuck, June? You haven't even worked for me, yet, and you're making demands on my bankroll. You'll meet my demands, Larry, and you'll have to buy two more bureaus to fit all the cash that I'll hand over to you to fill your sock drawers. Yeah, yeah? We'll see. What else? I need you to pay for a complete makeover, hair, skin, nails, makeup, perfume, and everything the whole works. I need clothes, an entire wardrobe. I need to look nice, classy, but sexy nice. And I want a health club membership. A health club membership? What the fuck, June? I ain't no Rockefeller? You put your cows to work to pay for what I need and I promise you won't regret it. Yeah, well, you'll have to earn while I'm funding you. Don't think that you'll be going to the gym and working out while I'm supporting. I want you on your back and supporting me. I can do that. I have to do that, Larry. I need money and I need to earn a living to save my house. But don't sell me short and don't sell me cheap. I want $500 an hour. $500 an hour? He laughed. Ain't nobody gonna pay you that kind of dough in this small, hick town. They will in the city. The city? No doubt, something he hadn't even considered. Larry suddenly spoke with excited interest. Okay, I'll agree to everything you ask if you meet my one demand. What's that? We get an apartment in the city together and act like a normal, married couple to maintain a respectable appearance. And what do I do with my three kids, Larry? Not to live, but just to hang out, when we're in the city. The apartment will be our safe place to take a client, instead of paying for a hotel room and drawing attention to ourselves. Like everything else, we split the cost 50 to 50. Well, actually, that's the first good idea that you've mentioned. Only, 
With clients knowing where we live, what's to stop them coming up unannounced? The doorman? That's why we pay extra to live in a luxury place. Yeah, that's good. Okay, I'll agree to that, but no sex. Sex is only for paying customers. Said June. I'll only fuck and suck you again if you pay me. She said with a laugh. Why should I pay for it when I get it for nothing with the other girls? Those other scumbags, you mean? Go ahead, it's your cock. Said June. It's a hole to stick it in. They serve a purpose. Said Larry. Larry, if you want a high-end escort service with call girls, instead of prostitutes and hookers, you have to start thinking like a high-end businessman and not like a dumbass. Said June. Enough with the name-calling, June. I can call names too, you know. Said Larry. Sorry, Larry. I'm just trying to help us make some money, and you're not going to make any money, if you continue running down your business with trailer trash women with no teeth and no class. Okay, okay, but it's not easy to always find new talent, especially in this small town. He said. You're looking in the wrong places. Your problem is you think with your pecker and not with your head. After I get my feet wet, I'll help you with the interviewing process. Maybe after I've been on my back for a while, I'll take over the girls as their madam, while you exclusively work on making new clients and setting appointments. Said June. Let's just concentrate on present business and not future business. Said Larry. When can you start? Now. Seriously? Now? Now. I'll call you right back. Larry called June back within 15 minutes. I have a guy, Mr. X, coming from a couple towns over. Only, he's very particular about things. Mr. X? Particular? What do you mean particular? Chapter 05 Well, for starters, he likes shaved pussies and you have a bush. You have time to shave off your fur before he gets here. Also, he likes the young stuff. I'm thinking that maybe, if you put your hair in braids and wear something that looks like a school uniform, you know, a short skirt with a white blouse, maybe you can pass. Also, talk dumb and ditzy, like a dumb blonde and chew gum. He loves the helpless, dumb blonde type. He likes playing the protector, the smart guy, and the big man coming to the rescue. Not easy to play a dumb blonde when I have brown hair, she said with a laugh. Okay, is there anything else that I should know about Mr. X? Yeah, there's one more thing. Bordering on acting, as if they love him, he likes his women to come listen, I don't care if you fake it, but make it believable and loud. He'll pay extra big if you give him a good show, one that makes him feel like he got you off. Enjoying having the image of a Don Juan, he has a thing about pleasing his woman, before she pleases him. Okay, I got it. I can do that said June writing everything down, while thinking about all the times she faked an orgasm with her husband, just so he'd finally climb off of her and go to sleep. Oh, and I almost forgot. There's just one more thing. Yeah? What's that? Wear a lot of makeup. He's got a thing for blue eye shadow and he likes bright, red lipstick and Angelina Jolie lips. He has a thing about going home with lipstick on his dipstick. Lipstick on his dipstick? What's that? Lipstick on his cock, said Larry shaking his head and laughing. You have a lot to learn about this business, June. I'll bring a whole tube of lipstick to redden his cock, if that's what it takes for him to part with more of his money. Good, but don't wear no perfume. He's allergic. Larry? Yeah, June? Being that this guy is so particular, being that this guy is looking for a specific woman, how much can I expect to make with this guy? Well, here's the thing, June, if you give him everything he wants, we can make a thousand dollars, that's five hundred dollars each. That's not bad for an hour's work. And if you can do what I think you can do to make this guy and others pay more, there's a specialty sex market that I've always wanted to tap and develop. Specialty market? What do you mean specialty market? Fetishes. You make the big bucks with special request sex and by satisfying specific fetishes. Said Larry. What kind of requests? Anything and everything goes. Said Larry with a laugh. Define anything and everything, Larry, because there are some things that June doesn't do. She said suddenly copying Larry's way of talking by talking in the third person. You really never know until you're in bed with the guy and suddenly he's handcuffing you to the bed, tickling you with a feather, worshipping your feet, just wanting to talk or wanting to pee in your mouth. Said Larry with a laugh. Gross. I'm telling you right now, Larry. I never let some sicko pee on me, never mind peeing in my mouth. Said June. Most guys just want to get off, June. 
most guys want to do to a prostitute what they can't do with their wives. As a way to ease you into the specialty market, there's a group of guys who come to the store every year to buy stuff for their little trip. They tell their wives they're going hunting and fishing for a week, which they do, but also they bring a hooker along with them for some relaxing fun, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I can only imagine their definition of relaxing fun, she said with a smug laugh. I'm following you so far, Larry. Well, a guy I know a few towns over supplies them with the hooker for the week and she makes, are you ready? Yeah, Larry, I'm sitting the fuck down waiting with bated breath for you to get the point. See, that's your problem, June. You need to stroke a guy more to get him off. You just can't beat him over the head with a rolling pin. You need to make the man feel that he wears the pants and that he has the balls and not you. You need to, Larry. Okay, okay. What the fuck? Spare me the sermon. Don't you tell me what my fucking problem is, Larry. She lost her patience with him. She hated stupid people and Larry was dumb. Even when they were in school together, he could barely read. You have no fucking idea what I've been through already to get my head wrapped around this sex for money game. A woman who's only been with one man, her husband, to suddenly suck and fuck the likes of you, before agreeing to prostitute herself, to some fuck wad, who calls himself Mr. X, either help me or, okay, okay, June. Calm down. What's the matter? What's wrong? I kicked my old man out of the house for having sex with my mother. Wow. Your mother? That's heavy. Incest is still the best, baby. Said Larry laughing. Now, there's a story I'd love to read on Literatica. Me and my mother-in-law have sex. Larry! Okay, sorry, June. Yeah, thanks for your support, but sorry gets me squat. I need money. Um, you know, June, now that I think about it, I was just wondering. What, Larry? What depraved question must you ask me? Well, I just thought I'd mention it. Like daughter, like mother, and all that genetically encoded stuff. But do you think your mother would be interested in the entertainment business? I have a couple clients who are older and want dash. In the entertainment business? My mother prostituting herself for you. Fuck you, Larry. Fuck you. Okay, okay, don't blow a fuse. You can't blame a guy for trying. Thinking about the monetary rewards of offering sex for money, there was a long silence before June spoke again. So you never told me. How much did that hooker make for doing those guys for a week? Ten grand. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Ten thousand bucks, ten yards. No shit. That's what Sal told me but then again, Sal tends to exaggerate as to how much he makes and how much he doesn't make depending on who he's talking to, you know. If he's bragging to me, he's making a bundle. If he's talking to his ex-wives or an agent at the IRS, then he's destitute. Anyway, he said that these guys coughed up two grand each for the pleasure of having sex with this woman anytime they wanted. That's fucked, Larry. I never knew about all this stuff. Now I wonder if my husband was every with a prostitute. It's easy work, June. It's easy work to go for a cruise on a nice boat, while relaxing and working on your tan. All you have to do is to have sex with five men. A gangbang, Larry? I'm hardly broken in to do this type of work and you already want me to pull a train. Well, I don't know if they're into gangbangs and circle jerks. Maybe they are, but most guys want one-on-one. Most guys like that want their privacy. The way that I figure June is that one goes below deck while the others are up above. The way that I imagined it was them taking their turns with you, one at a time. Now, if they want someone for a gangbang, that's extra, said Larry with a chuckle. I don't see how that's easy work, Larry, servicing five men for a week. Yet two grand each, huh, for any time they wanted sex? Maybe that's a lot of money for you, but it doesn't sound like it's enough money to do five dudes for a week. Ten grand is more money that I'd make in A. I'd want twenty, Larry. Yeah, I'd want them to pay me twenty thousand to put out for five men over a week. Twenty? See, that's what I like about you, June. What's that? You're my Catherine Deneuve and my Angelina Jolie of hookers. I'm not a hooker or a prostitute, Larry. I'm a call girl. There's a big difference between the three. Said June. Got it. Said Larry. That's the thing about you, June. You have the class that guys want and that men will pay extra to get. Instead of talking, Larry. I need to get ready. I'll see you soon. June jumped in the shower, washed her hair, shaved her legs, and shaved the hair from around her vagina. She dug through her closet to find a short skirt that resembled the parochial school uniform she used to wear in high school. She found a tartan skirt, one that she just needed to raise the hem from just above the knee to mid-thigh. 
She took extra care to go heavy on the makeup without making her face look too much like a Halloween mask. Once she finished applying lots of blue eyeshadow and a heavy coat of bright, red lipstick, she more looked like a movie star or, at least, a Broadway stage performer. If Mr. X wants lipstick on his dipstick, then he shall have a red ring the length and circumference of his penis, she said with a laugh, while looking at herself in the mirror. She found a tight white button blouse. The cut, fit, and design of the blouse highlighted her bust more than her other blouses and when worn with the top few buttons unbuttoned together with a push-up bra, the combination made her tits look bigger and fuller, and her line of cleavage deeper. Not that she had small tits or needed any help with a push-up bra to make her tits look bigger, she had a full C-cup. She chose a white thong that made her ass cheeks look deliciously edible, and that barely covered her freshly shaved pussy. Had she not shaved her pussy, she'd have pubic hair sticking out of both sides of her underwear. Deciding to abandon the push-up bra because it was too tight, she found her front snapping bra, the one that she wore with her bridemaid's gown, when her best friend Becky got married. The front snapper gave her cleavage like those women in 18th century England who wore corsets. She figured that a front snapping bra that didn't have straps was so much more convenient than wearing one that she had to remove her blouse and bra to reveal her tits. This way with two snaps, they were out and ready to play and with two snaps she was dressed. She combed back her hair, parted it, and tied the back ends of it with hair ties and two ponytails. Between her outfit, makeup, and ponytails, she looked ten years younger. All she needed was some bubblegum, which she borrowed a pack of bazooka bubblegum from her daughter's dresser drawer. The last thing she put on were her red, high heel shoes, the ones with the three-inch heels and the ones that made her calves look great. At six foot tall with her heels, she felt so tall. With high heels, short skirt with thong underneath, shaved pussy, unbuttoned blouse, and front snapping bra, she felt so sexy. Instead of on her way to have paid sex with someone calling himself Mr. X, she felt as if she was going to a masquerade ball. Although she felt a bit ridiculous wearing these clothes and making up herself like this, she enjoyed the role playing. Had she not married and had children, wanting to be an actress, she had the looks and the intelligence to be a big movie star. Turning side to side, she looked at herself in the mirror. In her biased opinion, she thought she looked good. In reality, she looked like a cheap whore. Even after having three children, her legs were still shapely and her body still sexy. Her flared skirt was so short that she showed a lot of thigh nearly all the way up to her ass cheeks with her every movement, especially when climbing stairs. Her tits looked incredible, big and high up. Any man would pay big bucks to fuck and suck her tits. It was then that she realized the extent of special, sexual requests. This part of it, when clients asked for special requests, was more than just having sex. This was fun. She almost felt like an actress acting a role in a movie, albeit a porn movie, then she did a call girl. It was such a small town that she didn't want to take a cab to Larry's house for fear that the cab driver once chatting over a cup of joe with the regulars at the local coffee shop, would gossip about her. Telling everyone what she was wearing and where he took her, they all knew that Larry was the town pimp. Not the big city where everyone is too busy with their business to mind your business, this was small town USA after all. Even though what she did and with whom she did it with was none of anyone's damn business, but her own, it became everyone's business, when residents passed their time sitting out on their front porches gossiping. Yet, afraid to run into someone she knew and unable to take a bus wearing this abbreviated, erotic outfit for the same reason as not being able to take a cab, she called Larry. Hi, Larry. June! Where are you? Mr. X is on his way. He'll be here any minute. Mr. X? You make him sound so mysterious like he's a spy or a science fiction character. Chapter 06 Well, yeah, Mr. X is what he refers to himself as, so I'm not about to ask him for his real name or for an ID just to have sex with you. Anyway, I need you to get over here 15 minutes ago. He'll be here any minute. I need a ride, Larry. A ride? Do I look like your chauffeur? Take a fucking cab or the bus, just get here now. I can't take a fucking cab or the bus, Larry. With what I'm wearing, this short skirt, white blouse, red high heels, and with my hair parted and tied in pigtails, I look like a goddamn teenager turned hooker. Did you forget we live in a small town? In the way that I look wearing all this makeup and with my lips covered with red lipstick, taking a cab or a bus is out of the question. People know who I am. People will talk. Now, if you were to buy me that car that we discussed then dash, a car? Fuck you, June. 
I'm not buying you any car, said Larry raising his voice in the phone. Never mind then. I just won't go, said June. I'll stay home. Won't go. Stay home? Wait. Hold on. You have to come, said Larry with a long pause. Okay, okay, I'm leaving now to pick you up and you'd better be standing out front waiting for me. Thanks, Larry. June watched for Larry through her hall window. She stepped out on her front porch when she saw his car come speeding down her street. Wow. He yelled out his window when she walked up to his car. You look hot. You certainly look the part. Mr. X is going to like you, especially in that short skirt and unbuttoned blouse. He said reaching out his hand to grab a handful of her breast through her brow. Thank you, Larry. She said slapping his hand away. She walked around his car to get in on the other side and spread her legs wide to get in his car. I feel so exposed. She said with a laugh. With her skirt nearly up to her crotch, when she sat, Larry reached over to grab a feel of her shapely, naked thigh. Did you shave your pussy? He looked at her when she didn't answer. Then, he moved his right hand between her legs as he drove with his left hand. Let me see. He said coaxing her with his hand to lift her short skirt and move her panty. Show me your pussy, June. Mind your manners, Larry. She said slapping his hand away as if she was his mother, and he was reaching for food before saying grace. Baby soft, my smooth as silk pussy is for paying customers only and not for you. Okay, okay, I just wanted to make sure you didn't forget to shave off your fur. You had quite the bush on you before. I really need this guy to be a repeat customer. The last thing I want to do is to piss him off by you not shaving your beaver. I don't want to lose him. He's a big paying customer. We're covered, Larry. You just worry about driving me to Mr. X and I'll take care of the rest. Said June. That is, unless you'd like to suck his cock yourself. I'm all man, June. I don't do guys. Said Larry shooting her a look. Instead of being nervous about having sex for money with a stranger, she was more concerned about her kids and her little life. She had four hours before she had to pick up her kids at her cousin's house, the next town over. The money she made tonight allowed her to arrange for her cousin, Sally, to babysit the kids, whenever she needed. It was a sweet arrangement so long as it continued and so long as she prostituted herself for money. Sally didn't have skills enough to get a job that paid what June was willing to pay her an hour to sit with her kids. Besides, the kids loved going to her house because she had a cat, a dog, a horse, and two ducks. You never told me what this Mr. X looks like, Larry. June looked at him while watching his face for any clues to his lies. Um, looks like. I didn't. I thought I did. He looked at her. Well, do you know that Michael Clark Duncan dude, the actor that played in The Green Mile and who just died recently, he's tall and oh shit, he's here now. Mr. X pulled up front just as Larry pulled in his driveway. He let June out and she went in through the back, so as not to be seen prematurely and spoil Mr. X's surprise. Imported from Detroit, he had a fancy car. A shiny Chrysler 300 SRT8 with the 6.1 liter 425 horsepower Hemi engine stroked and massaged to over 500 horsepower. His car had every factory option, including some that were custom installed, such as gull wing doors. Instead of chrome trim, he had gold trim with 20-inch gold-plated wheels and grille, blacked-out windows, and a custom gold and black paint job that made the car look more like a Bentley Continental than a Chrysler. Wishing she could just leave her life behind, she wished she could go for a long ride with Mr. X. Instead of his doors opening out in the way of a normal car, they opened up like one of those expensive, imported, Italian sports cars, a Lamborghini Countach. She remembered her husband telling her about the supercar and showing her one at the auto show that they attended a lifetime ago before they were married and when they were happy. When he stood out of the car, she couldn't believe her eyes. She didn't so mind that he was a black man but she had never seen a man as big. A massive man, he was enormous. Bald, black, and built, he was beautiful. Either his car was low, very low, to the ground or he was a giant. She figured the latter was more the truth than the former, especially when she saw him standing next to Larry. He dwarfed him. Easily, he was a foot taller than Larry and weighed more than twice as much. Mr. X was one big, black, beautiful man. Standing about six feet eight inches tall, Mr. X was tall all right. Larry failed to tell June that Mr. X was a black man. Being that his God-given name was Malcolm, Mr. X was his aptly given nickname, and the name he was known by to his friends, family, and employees. 
June peeked out Larry's window as Mr. X emerged from his automobile. Just as she had never seen a car such as this before, she had never seen a man as big. His car was beautiful and he was magnificent. Having never been with a black man before, a faithful wife and only having sex with her husband, and recently with Larry, she didn't know how she'd feel about having sex with a black man. Without doubt, she was curious. Without doubt, she was attracted to him. A man so big and powerfully built, swallowing her body whole, she'd feel so safe in his arms. She wondered what his cock looked like. She wondered if his cock was as proportional in size to his height. Her husband had an average cock and Larry's prick was even smaller. She imagined, in the way that he and his car were bigger than life, that his cock would be too. Hi, Mr. X, nice to see you again. Larry shook his hand. Nice car, Mr. X. Is it new? Larry walked around the car as if he was a potential buyer at a custom, Chrysler dealership. Do you think that I could take it for a spin around the block? No, Larry, he said with a big, wide, white smile. No one drives my car, in his deep, baritone voice. She watched the verbal exchange noticing that Larry looked as nervous as he looked ridiculously small standing next to him. When he shook his hand, Larry's hand disappeared in the medium of Mr. X as if Malcolm was wearing a catcher's mitt. So, how you doing, Larry? I caught a quick glimpse of that special someone you got for me when that pretty, young thing ran inside your house from around back, said Mr. X pointing to Larry's house. I promise you something special, Mr. X, and I know you won't be disappointed. Matter of fact, Tiffany is my new girl that I recruited just for you. She's special, if you know what I mean, said Larry winking. Apparently, after seeing how good June looked, Larry felt the need to give her a proper call girl name that equaled her hot appearance. Only, having just thought of the name, he didn't think to tell June her new name was Tiffany. Is that right? Tiffany. He looked at Larry with suspicion. That name sound too delicate for me. With me being so big, I don't want to break her. He said with a booming laugh. That name evokes an expensive crystal chandelier or a fine piece of jewelry from Tiffany's. Not your average bear, Mr. X was born in Detroit and educated in Michigan. Thinking that he was a retired basketball or football player, no one would believe that he graduated from the University of Michigan top of his class with honors. After acing the college boards prouder of earning a four-year college scholarship more for his intelligence than for his athletic abilities, he was chosen for their basketball and football programs but declined both their offers. Seeing the bigger picture and perhaps a bit snobbish in his preference of education over sports, the president of the university was more pleased to see an underprivileged black man earn a quality education than wasting his life and intellectual talents playing sports. Yes, sir, Mr. X. That's her name. Only someone as beautiful and sexy should have such a name. Come on inside and I'll introduce you to Tiffany. He said stopping to look at the car again. I can pull your car in my driveway for you, Mr. X. Said Larry holding out his hands for the car keys. You live on a dead-end street, Larry, and I haven't seen a car drive down here said Mr. X looking around the neighborhood. With all the security devices I've installed on that car along with my own personal security that I carry around with me, he said opening his jacket to flash Larry the butt end of a pearl-handled gun. I'm sure my car will be fine where it is. Wow. That's a big gun, Mr. X. What is that a 44, a 45? May I see it? No, Larry. Just as you can't drive my car, you can't see my gun. Licensed to carry a concealed weapon, I never pull my gun unless I'm gonna use it or clean it, he said giving Larry a deadly stare. Let's go inside the house, Mr. X said Larry. Oh my god, said June out loud while watching Mr. X standing outside with Larry. Definitely, for someone so big, he must have a huge cock. This guy will split me in half. I don't think I could get my mouth around him if his cock mirrors the size of him. She watched from the window as Mr. X followed Larry up the front porch steps and onto the porch. She heard the wooden steps groan from the enormous weight of him. Suddenly, remembering Larry's description and reference, Michael Clark Duncan from the movie, The Green Mile, came to mind again, only this man was bigger and better looking. She remembered her husband telling her that, by using special boots and camera angles, they made Michael Clark Duncan appear much bigger than his six feet four and a half inches, 260-pound frame in the movie. Heavier when he died, ballooning up to 300 pounds, this Mr. X guy was at least six feet eight inches and had to weigh over 300 pounds. Yet with him being so tall, he didn't look fat, just built. He had muscles everywhere.
His neck and his arms appeared bigger than her waist. What the hell would Larry do to protect her should this guy get out of hand? After you, Mr. X, said Larry holding the screen door for his most special customer. Mr. X's face lit up when he spotted June standing in the middle of the living room smiling. Tiffany, this is Mr. X, said Larry giving June a wink and a thumbs up sign. Mr. X, this is Tiffany. Nice to meet you, said June shooting Larry a look while staring up and shaking Mr. X's hand. My name is June and not Tiffany, she said glaring at Larry. Larry sometimes confuses me with another one of his girls. He has so many women working for him. She said even though she knew she was his one and only prostitute. It's my pleasure to meet you, June. Everything that Larry said you are, you are so very beautiful. He said twirling her around by her fingertips. My mother's name was June. Really? Yes, it was. Normally, people name a baby girl June if she's born in June, but my granddaddy loved the summertime and hated the winter. With June born in the dead of winter, he'd be damned if he was going to name his daughter January said Mr. X laughing out loud with a thunderous roar. June and Larry laughed with Mr. X too. Well, I was born in June, Mr. X. Matter of fact, I was born on Flag Day, June 14th. Please call me Malcolm. Okay, Malcolm, shall we get down to business? Said Larry. Not you, Larry. You can continue calling me Mr. X. He gave Larry a look that could remove wallpaper. I only invited the lady to call me Malcolm. Yes, sir, sorry, of course, Mr. X. Said Larry rubbing his hands together, as if he was a fly finding food. What do you have in mind for tonight? Well, he said looking from Larry to June. I have a good feeling about this woman. I like you, June. Matter of fact, I've never been in such a good mood as I am now. Thank you, Malcolm, said June beaming a smile. This woman is so much better than the fat, ugly, toothless whores you've been trying to peddle me. He said turning to give Larry another mean stare. Yeah, well, you know, Mr. X- Without even acknowledging him with a look, Mr. X looked held up a hand that was bigger than his whole head in front of his face. You interrupted my thought process, little man. I wasn't done talking. I'm sorry, Mr. X. I apologize for interrupting you. Please continue with your thought process. After meeting June, tonight is a very special occasion, very special, indeed. He said again looking at June from head to toe before wrapping a big arm around her waist. I'd like to take this lady for a trip around the world. With that, he reached in his pocket and pulled out a roll of money and deposited it in Larry's hand. As if the head teller at a bank, Larry quickly counted the stack of hundred dollar bills. He counted it again to make sure of the amount. Then, he held the money up to the light to make sure it was real until Mr. X shot him a look. There's um one thousand, two thousand, two thousand five hundred dollars here, Mr. X, said Larry giving it a quick count again to make sure. Mr. X had already turned away and was walking off with June. Do you want fries with that? Asked Larry under his breath while watching June and Mr. X disappear in the bedroom together. When I told Larry to get me someone special, he said sitting on the bed, I never thought he'd find someone as fine as you. You're special, he said. Someone who looks as good as you do should be making movies instead of sucking cock. Well, thank you, Malcolm. Can I ask you a question? Sure, you're paying me to do whatever you want. I can certainly answer a question. Why do you do this? Why do you prostitute yourself? Actually, I just started an aside from being forced to have sex with Larry. You're my first customer. June sat beside him on the bed. My husband, after turning to the bottle, lost more than his job a while back. He lost his will to work and to provide for his family. I do this to keep a roof over me and my three kids' heads. And your husband, what does he think about you sleeping with other men? My husband? I threw his ass out after I caught him in bed naked with my mom. Damn, I read stories about dudes into fucking their mothers and mother-in-laws on Literatica. Unless your mother looks as good as you do, that's nasty for husband to have sex with his mother-in-law. What about you? Why do you do it? Why do you have sex with prostitutes? It's easier and uncomplicated. There's no love, just sex. My wife won't give me sex anymore, hasn't for years. Don't get me wrong. She loves me and I love her. We've been together since we were kids, but she's lost that love and feeling when she developed a low opinion of herself. She's depressed. All she does is sit around the house and eat. She's eating herself to death is what she's doing, he said with sadness. 
Has she been to a doctor, a nutritionist, or a personal trainer? It may be something as simple as hormone replacement, a special diet, and or an exercise program. Doctor? Nutritionist? Personal trainer? Lucille doesn't believe in any of that. She never leaves the house. All of her problems are due to her weight. She's very heavy. If she needs anything, she needs a psychiatrist to unravel all that's wrong with her but she won't go see one. He took a big sigh. What do you think happened to her to make her like that? June looked at him with kindness. Oh, I know what happened to her, said Malcolm with a booming voice. She was raped, gangbanged, when she was young, when we were first married. She was a very beautiful woman and when she was raped, she didn't want to be beautiful no more, so she ate. Fat or skinny, I still loved my Lucille. We all have a story to tell, I guess, Malcolm. Yeah, well, some of us no longer have a story to tell. I found the motherfuckers who raped my Lucille and who caused her such misery and me such pain. She watched Malcolm make an angry face and slow, white-knuckled fist. Trust me, those niggers won't be rapping anyone no more or telling stories about what they did to this one and to that one. I fixed them all and I fixed them for good. That's good, albeit a bit scary, Malcolm. She said pausing. Like you do, I believe in an eye for an eye too. June looked at the diamond rings he wore, the fat gold bracelet that barely fit around his big wrist, and the thick, shiny gold chain that hung from his huge neck. Just curious, if you don't mind my asking, with all your bling, what do you do for a living? Normally, not wanting to give away my identity, as if I'd be hard to find. He said with a big laugh. I'd never tell a woman of the night my business, but I trust you and I like you, June. I own a car accessory store. We sell wheels and custom stuff. If ever you need something for your car, come see me. I'll take care of you. He said smiling handing her a business card. I don't even own a car and Larry won't buy me one to get around. She said with sadness. I thought everyone in America owned at least one car he said giving her a curious stare. I love cars. Cars are my passion. That explains your car. I love your car, especially those doors. I'd love to go for a ride in it with you. You would? Oh yeah, I'd love to go for a ride in your car. He looked at her and smiled. What do you say we get out of here and buy us some food? I'm hungry. I'm always hungry. He said with a big laugh and putting his hands on his knees to push himself up from the bed. Sure, that'd be fun. Only I don't think you can go into some of the fine eating establishments that I frequent dress like that. He said laughing. We'll have to do takeout and eat in the car, if you don't mind. Yeah, I do look a bit ridiculous, don't I? Actually, to me, you look exactly the way I'd want my woman to look. Well, thank you again, Malcolm. I really like you. And I like you too, June. June and Malcolm emerged from the bedroom. That's it. You're done? Jeez, that was fast. Didn't I tell you she was good, Malcolm? Sorry, I mean Mr. X? Hey, where are you going? For a ride, said June. I'll see you later, Larry. Once June was outside, Malcolm turned around and stepped inside to confront Larry. You touch her again and I'll kill you. He said screwing a big, stiff, index finger in his chest as if it was the barrel of his gun. You dig? Yeah, yeah, I'll never touch her again. Said Larry taking a step back from the big man. Chapter 07 Malcolm eased the big Chrysler off Larry's street and continued west until he hit the entrance ramp to the highway. Driving faster than everyone else around him, his idea of merging with traffic was to launch his car off the on-ramp as if his big Chrysler was a race car re-entering the track on the restart of race. When he planted his size 16 shoe on the gas pedal, with a roar, a howl, a shake, and a shudder, the car zoomed forward turning from a sedate luxury cruiser to a powerful muscle car. The torque from the big engine pushed and pinned June back in her seat until Malcolm hit a cruising speed of 100 miles per hour. Never had she experienced such a feeling of excited exhilaration since the time she rode the big roller coaster at the county fair. Inspired by the speed and hemi power of Malcolm's car, she imagined him picking her up in his big arms and carrying her to bed. She imagined him feeling her breasts through her blouse and bra and feeling her ass through her skirt and panty before undressing her and stripping off her clothes. Taking his time to arouse her and to seduce her, instead of understanding that she was a call girl with her John, she imagined him being her big, bad boy lover. Taking his sweet time to unbutton her blouse, she imagined him feeling her tits and fingering her nipples through her bra. She imagined his big, 
black hand going up her short tartan skirt and his big, thick fingers pushing aside her white, thong panty to rub and tickle her clit before penetrating her pussy. Unsnapping her front snapping bra as if her breasts were his surprise gift, she imagined him staring at her C-cup tits before reaching out his enormous hands to touch them, feel them, caress them, and suck them. Arousing herself with her own imagination, she couldn't wait until he stripped her naked. Her sexual fantasy of being stripped naked and being taken by such a powerful man made her knees weak with sexual anticipation. She felt the same rush thinking about him making love to her, as she did when he floored the accelerator. With all the weight of his big, black, beautiful, naked body pushing her down and pinning her into the mattress, she imagined him having his wicked way with her naked body and forcing her to do dirty and nasty things that she'd never do to another man. Fuck me, Malcolm, stick that big, hard black cock in my warm, wet pussy, she imagined saying as he drove in silence. She wondered what it would be like to have sex with a man so big, so strong, and so powerful when he pounded her pussy and parted her clam with the long, hard thrusts of his big muscled hips. With mixed emotions of nervousness and excitement, imagining giving reverse birth to a baby, she imagined his supersized cock parting her shaved, pussy lips and penetrating her cunt deeper than any man has gone before. Sitting beside the best and not wanting to fuck any of the rest, she imagined she was about to get the fucking of her life. She wondered what it would be like to take his big, black prick past her red, full lips. She imagined sucking him and taking him deeper in her mouth and all the way down her throat in an attempt to deep-throat him. She imagined his warm, oozy cum splashing up against the back of her mouth. Between his big cock and his load of cum nearly gagging her, she imagined being proud that she could sexually satisfy such a man. She wondered how many other women have had the erotic pleasure and sexual satisfaction of betting such a supersized man. Before even having sex with him, never has she had such sexual thoughts of erotic excitement about a man before. As if she was sitting on a giant vibrator, the rumble of the car's exhaust penetrated the car seat and tickled her between her legs. She ran her fingers along the stitching detail of the fancy interior, as if she was running her fingers along the length of his cock. The safety and security of being with Malcolm made her swoon in his company, and she rested her head against the headrest hoping that he'd stop the car soon and kiss her, touch her, feel her, and make love to her. Never has she wanted to suck anyone's cock in the way she wanted to blow Malcolm now. What a man. What a man. He was such an incredible man. Feeling as if he was her superhuman, never has she felt as protected with her husband, John, as she did with Malcolm. John was just a little taller than average but Malcolm was a giant. Glad they were sitting down in his car, he was so tall that, even with her five feet nine inches height, she had a stiff neck gazing up at him when standing. Where before, she felt dirty and as if she was doing something wrong when Larry asked her to be his prostitute, now she felt wickedly hot. Feeling wanted, feeling desired, and feeling sexy, never has she felt so much like a woman when in the company of such a man. He made her feel feminine. He made her feel special. He made her feel alive with sexual excitement. He was a real man, a manly man, a macho man, and a man who'd take care of her no matter what. Instead of her making all the decisions and doing all the worrying, as she's done her whole marriage, she liked the feeling that she could relinquish the control finally to someone stronger and smarter while trusting that he wouldn't make mistakes and fuck it all up. Even if it meant having sex with him, she exhaled a big sigh of relief and relaxed. Especially if it meant having sex with him, she exhaled an excited smile. Only she knew her joy wouldn't last and tomorrow he'd be gone, and she'd be back to her little life with her three kids and with Larry pimping her out to someone else. I love your car, Malcolm. Big, black, and powerful, it's so you. She said looking at him with stars in her eyes in the way she'd look at a celebrity, if meeting one in person, and in the way she thought he'd be looking at her. Thank you. He said more ready to talk about his car than about having sex with her. I have a new car on order, a Cadillac CTS-V. I never heard of that model. A two-door coupe instead of a four-door sedan, it does everything that this car does only it accelerates faster, stops quicker, and turns better. Think of it as a Corvette with a Cadillac body. He said with a chuckle. I'm a sucker for big, heavy American cars. I love the safety of them the spacious interiors, and the power they have. I can't imagine a car better than this car, said June running her hand over the seat. I love this car. It's beautiful. They whizzed past hotel after hotel and motel after motel. With the approach of each motor in, wondering where he was going and when he was going to stop, 
she imagined stopping at this one or at that one and doing whatever was his sexual pleasure. Nervous before meeting him, frightened if only by his name, Mr. X and by the sheer size of him, she'd do anything Malcolm asked of her now. She liked him. She really did. She enjoyed being in his company. He made her feel so safe. Instead of stopping, he drove her a few towns over to a favorite takeout chicken place he knew not far from where he lived. Oxymoronic in his liking for chicken, an educated, wealthy, black man, who could afford any fancy restaurant and navigate any French or Italian menu, he still saved a special fondness for the comfort food of his youth. I hope you like fried chicken because if you do, you're in for a treat. Who doesn't like fried chicken? With three kids to feed and a healthy serving of protein, it's a cheap staple in my house. She said with a laugh as he parked his car in front of the restaurant. Do you trust me to order for you? Sure. She said more interested in sucking his hard cock than in eating a crispy thigh. He left her sitting in the car while he walked to the stand, ordered the food, and brought it back to the car to eat. He was already munching on a piece of chicken as he approached the car and handed her the bag of food. Sorry, I couldn't wait. I'm hungry. He said with a big laugh. I can't say that I blame you. It smells so good. As if he was holding a petite appetizer, the drumstick looked so tiny in his big hand. After watching Malcolm eat, she suspected that food was a sexual experience for him. If he devoured her in the way he devoured his chicken, watching him suck on the bone in the way that she couldn't wait to suck on his boner, she'd be a happy woman. Whenever I think about sex, I become hungry and whenever I'm hungry I think of fried chicken. He said with a laugh. My mama made the best fried chicken, but this place, Flossie's Fried Chicken, is a close second. The batter is so tasty and sweet on the outside and the chicken is so moist and tender on the inside. The combination of the two textures and flavors make me want to eat more. Even when I'm done, I crave it in the way that I crave Chinese food. June suspected that once Malcolm finished eating his food that he'd be thinking more about sex and about eating her than about eating chicken. With his belly full of chicken, she assumed his cock would be hungry for her. Discovering more about the man from just this brief repartee that revealed his preferences, if only for food, sex, and cars, seemingly sex, food, and cars, not necessarily in that order, were his deliciously decadent pleasures and unified in his mind. She could tell by the size of the big bulge in his pants that he was as horny as he was hungry. Kinky in a way, she was glad that he was unable to separate the two appetites. She imagined herself in bed and her naked body covered with fried chicken. She imagined him eating his food while devouring her body. Instead of eating there in a public parking lot with other people sitting in their cars enjoying their takeout food, he drove to a secluded spot he knew. At that point, with no motels and hotels in sight, she figured they'd be having sex in the car. Kinky. She hasn't had sex in a car since drive-in movie night with her husband so very many years ago. Once parked at the private place, Malcolm invited June to join him in the back seat. Why don't we get more comfortable back here? With the seat all the way up, I can stretch out my legs. He said unbuckling belt and unbunning his pants to get more comfortable. She had assumed correctly and figured with him unbuckling his pants that this was it, and that they were about to have sex in the back seat. Maybe his thing was to combine his loves, fast, powerful, luxury cars, fried chicken, and sex with the call girl. Suspecting his car was his sexual phallic symbol, as if he needed to have one, she figured his car was more than a sex symbol for him, but a rolling motel bed. Only now, she wished he had a roomy RV than a cramped Chrysler. Maybe she'd have more room if he stuck his long legs out the passenger side window while she leaned over him and sucked his cock but that would be a strange sight to see. Maybe he could stand outside the car, while she sat inside the car and blew him. Nonetheless, she was ready to give him pleasure and to satisfy his every sexual need, whatever it may be. She wanted to keep him as a client, and that meant sexually satisfying him for him to return. Not since her husband, John, had his way with her at the drive-in movie so long ago, before children, mortgage payments, unemployment, and drunkenness, had she contemplated having sex in the back seat of a car. Back then, he had an old beat-up, 70 Mach 1 Mustang that had a back seat more cramped than the front seat, and she swore never again. At least the Chrysler had a lot more room than the Mustang, but with Malcolm's big body taking up most of the interior, the not-enough space inside was just as tight. Wondering how on earth he could be comfortable enough to have sex, she remembered she had a leg cramp that wouldn't subside for 15 minutes. Her leg was sore for hours. Having sex in the car was for young couples who had nowhere else to go. Now, even though he had options and could afford a motel or hotel room, 
the thought of having sex in the car sexually excited her. Again, she felt dangerously wicked having sex in public. She felt sexy. She felt wanted. She was aroused, and she was eager to please him. Without the steering wheel and the console in the way, there's more room to spread out in back. He said. She sensed his nervousness. That was cute that she made such a big man nervous. See? He reached around the seat to push the power seat button that moved the seat. Especially with the front seats moved all the way forward, there's more legroom and I like having lots of legroom. He said stretching out his long legs. That fried chicken was good, Malcolm, nearly as good as my fried chicken. She said wiping the last bit of grease from her lips and fingers. Oh yeah? He looked at her and smiled. Then, you'll have to invite me over to dinner sometime and make me some. I'd love to do have you over sometime, so long as you don't mind eating with three kids. I love kids. Do you have any kids, Malcolm? No. Lucille had a few miscarriages. She has a lot of health problems because of her weight, the usual things, high blood pressure, and diabetes. I told her that she's going to die unless she slims down some. He rubbed his big stomach. Me? I'm lucky. Because I get plenty of exercise riding my bike and pumping my iron, my metabolism works overtime. I'm as healthy as a horse. I'm sorry to hear Lucille's not able to have children. You'd make a good father. I would. I wish I had a son or two, even a daughter would be nice. I donate my time and money to some of the youth groups in the neighborhood. We have a football and a basketball team that I coach. Too many kids don't have a father figure to look up to and many of their mothers are children themselves. They look up to me and even though I find that rewarding, I'm pressured to show them the right example. You're a good man, Malcolm, said June while wondering when he was going to kiss and touch her or if he wanted her to kiss and touch him first. Even though many of their single moms literally throw themselves at me, I can't imagine their disappointment in me if they knew that I frequented prostitutes. Besides, different than having sex with a prostitute, I'd never cheat on Lucille with one of the women from my neighborhood. She'd be devastated. He fell silent again while eating and June sensed something was wrong. You're so quiet. What's wrong, Malcolm? Oh, nothing. He said falling quiet again while eating his chicken and longingly looking out his car window. I was just thinking that if Lucille hadn't been gangbanged, maybe I'd be sitting here with her instead of with you. He looked at her, as if he had just insulted her. No offense. None taken. Said June. I understand. I feel the same way about my husband. He's not the same man that I fell in love with and married. He's someone else, someone different, and someone that I've grown to despise. I still can't believe he fucked my mother. I still can't believe my mother sucked his cock. Both of them deserve one another. I guess we have that in common, he said with sadness. Just as you miss you're the man that you married, I miss the woman that I married and the woman that I still love. As if he was remembering the good times, he stopped talking, no doubt, when he started recalling the bad times. We used to have so much fun walking while talking. Talking about everything and laughing over nothing, she gave me memories that I'll never forget. There's help out there for her, Malcolm, especially for someone with your money, said June looking at him with understanding. She paused while wondering if she knew him well enough to ask the next question. How big is she? She's big. Like me, she's always been a big, boned woman, six tall with double D breasts but not as big as she is now. With her being so depressed, I don't remember the last time she laughed. I wish I could get her to see someone and talk to someone but, content to eat herself to death, she won't go. I'm sorry, Malcolm, said June. She remembered Larry telling her about guys like Malcolm, content to just sit and talk instead of wanting to have sex. Yet, she never pegged him for one of those men. She figured he was a wild, sexual animal and not much of a talker. Nonetheless, being that she was being paid for her time, as if he was her patient and she was his therapist, she'd listen to whatever he had to say. I'm full, Malcolm. Here, she said pushing the tray of chicken towards him. You eat the rest. Having an ulterior motive, she was hoping that if she seduced his appetite with food, he'd be hungry for sex. Fried chicken is my favorite he said reaching for another piece. As if he was munching on a Chinese fortune cookie instead of a chicken drumstick, the chicken looked so ridiculously small in his big hand. Most of my friends love barbecue or that sushi shit, but I could eat fried chicken every day, all day, and not get tired it. If ever I was on death row and asked what I wanted for my last meal, I'd tell them fried chicken, he said with a laugh. 
The food seemed to have a narcotic effect on him, and instead of becoming horny, he grew silent, while pondering his thoughts over another drumstick. Penny for your thoughts, she said as she rubbed his massively muscular thigh. I was just wondering why I love fried chicken so much, he said waving a clean drumstick bone in his hand. I think my love for chicken stems from my childhood. I grew up poor and my parents had five children to feed. Probably because chicken was so cheap back then, the only time I got enough food was when my mama made fried chicken. He laughed. She made three heaping plates of it. While my sister fought over vegetables after my daddy had his fill, I'd be fighting my three brothers for the extra pieces of chicken. He laughed again. With my brothers nearly as big as me, there weren't any leftovers at our house. Wow, I can't imagine your brothers as big as you. You can say that I come from a big family literally and figuratively. He said with a chuckle. You won't find any of us driving one of those little, foreign cars, that's for sure. It was apparent from the conversation that they liked one another and, instead of becoming lovers, they were quickly becoming friends. As soon as June finished eating, she put down her soft drink, pulled out lipstick from her purse, and thickly reapplied her lips. She tried finding her open purse in the dark car to tuck away her lipstick, but missed. Shit, I dropped my lipstick somewhere between the seat cushion. She said daintily sticking her manicured nails between the top and bottom cushion. Don't worry about it, I'll find it for you later. These seats fold down, it's probably in the trunk. She reached her finger over to Malcolm's ear and started seductively playing with it, touching his ear Lopez, circling his ear with her index finger, and sticking her finger inside his ear. So, tell me, Malcolm, she said in her sexiest voice. Since you paid Larry $2,500 to be with me, what I can do for you. She allowed her hand to fall on his oak-sized thigh again and rested her fingertips on his crotch. What do you want? What do you like? I guess because I'm lonely and love to talk, I'd rather just talk. He said looking at her as if sorry for confessing that he was lonely. Imagine someone like me, who can have just about anyone, pining over his wife and being lonely. I'm sorry, Malcolm. We can talk if that's what you want and what will make you feel better. She said removing her fingers from his ear and her hand from his thigh. Talking is what does it for me, baby. He said looking at her with a big smile. He took her hand and put it on his crotch and rubbed her palm against the big bulge in his pants. Some call it pillow talk, but more than pillow talk especially when continued out of the bedroom, in the kitchen, the living room, outside, and in the car, I call it arousing erotic conversation. Talking is what it's all about. Dirty talk fills my mind with images that I can take away with me after the sex is over. Sexy talk filled with dirty words and actions is so cerebrally sexy. June's fingers felt the head of the big man's bulge. She slid her hand further over more of his big prick and grabbed more than a handful of him. With a cock to match his stature, he was definitely a big man. Oh, yeah? Dirty talk is what turns you on, is that it? You like to talk about it, don't you, you dirty man? She looked deeply in his big, brown eyes. Well, I'm a well-mannered woman, a parochial schoolgirl, a virgin who was taught never to talk with her mouth full, if you know what I mean. She said running her tongue across her lips and unzipping his pants. Oh, my lord, June, said Malcolm staring at her hand grabbing his cock. Sorry, but I don't expect I'll be doing much talking with my mouth full of your big, hard black cock. She said looking down at the bulge his cock made in his white underwear. I can't wait to taste you. I can't wait for you to come in my mouth. She said reaching in his underwear and taking hold of his hard prick in her soft hand. Wait. Hold on, girl. Slow down. Take it easy. Where's the fire? What? Did I say something wrong? Do you need me to do and say something in some kind of preferred order? I can talk dirtier than that, Malcolm. Just tell me what you want. Just tell me what to do. He stopped her by putting his big hand over hers. With his prick beneath her hand and her hand on top of hers, she could feel the sheer power of the man. She'd never want to meet him in a dark alley alone, that's for sure. I may have given you the wrong impression of me, June. He removed her hand from his cock and held it. I like you. I like you a lot. I really do. There's something about you that I find so exciting. I've never met anyone like you. All the other women I've been with were just cheap whores and what we did was just sex. Only, with you it's different. You're real. You're someone that I could fall head over heels in love with but I don't cheat on Lucille. I don't understand, Malcolm said June shrinking back in the soft leather of the car seat. Being with you, even though we haven't done anything yet is the closest I've come to cheating on my wife. 
I've never cheated on Lucille and I'm not about to cheat on her. I may be a lot of bad things but one of the good things about me is that I'm a faithful, loving husband who believes in the sacred sanctity of my marriage vows, for better or for worse, until death do you part. I love my Lucille. We've been through a lot, and she's always been there for me, until now, when she can't even help herself never mind help me. Never cheated? Malcolm, come on, seriously. She said looking at him in shocked disbelief. Do you seriously expect me to believe that you never cheated on your wife when you're sitting here with me, a call girl that you requested to be dressed like a teenaged slut? She took her hand back from his and leaned further away from him. Hold on, June. I didn't mean to upset you. I was a virgin when I was married. The only man I had sex with was my husband, that is, until Larry raped me. I never cheated on my husband until he cheated me by no longer wanting to provide for me and our children. Then, the last straw was when he'd rather have sex with my mother than with me. I hear you, June, but it's not the same. He said looking at her with sadness. You no longer love your husband and I still love my wife. Bullshit. That's just bullshit, Malcolm, and you know it. I see the real you. You can't fool me. I'm not one of the stupid bitches you fuck and allow them to suck you before you kick their ass to the curb. I know who you are. She said remaining silent to think about all that she just said and to compose her thoughts. You don't know me, June. You don't know anything about me. I bet I'm the first black man you've ever been with. He said with a victorious grin. You have no idea all that I've been through. When people see me they invariable think that a man so big must be a professional athlete and not a scholar and an intellect. You're hiding behind a woman's skirt. You're using your wife as a ruse. You're happy to be married to a woman who doesn't want a real relationship. So long as you provide her with all the food she needs and so long as you don't disrespect her by holding up your philandering ways up to her face for her to see the phony you are, you're free to come and go as you please to do whatever you want. A man without complications, a nagging wife and demanding children, you're more a bachelor than a married man. I bought and paid for your white ass. How dare you talk to me like that? Now that you protest your indignation, I wonder if you're even married. Now that you're so exposed. She said looking down at his unzipped bulge, I wonder if Lucille even exists then in your mind. You don't know me, June. You just think you do. He said raising his voice. Tell me this then, if you never cheat on your wife, why did you pay for a prostitute? If you don't cheat on your precious Lucille, what are you doing here with me, now? And what did you do with all those prostitutes before? It's none of your business what I did or didn't do. I didn't pay for you to flap your gums. I paid for you to, to what, Malcolm? To suck your cock or to talk dirty to you? She looked at him with a hard stare. Tell me this. Did you fuck them? Did they suck you? Did you take them around the world in the way that you told Larry that you were taking me? Or did you just talk them to death in the way that you're talking to me and going on about your cars and your fried chicken? We just talked and I just listened. He said with a big smile to cover his obvious anger. There's no harm in hiring a prostitute to just listen while I talk. That's not cheating, is it? As if seeing a side of her that he hadn't seen before, he looked at her with renewed respect. Suddenly being defensive, perhaps, because he was so scary big, obviously no one talked to him in such a rude manner, no one stood up to him, and no one challenged whatever he said before as the truth. Having lived a lie with her marriage, June knew that after lying about something for a long while, even the liars believes their own lies. You're an educated man. What do you talk about to these women who are as dumb as a stump? I like talking about my stuff and listening about their stuff. Stuff? June had an edge to her voice. She knew that he was trying to play her but she'd have none of that. Already down that road with her lying husband, she wasn't about to take that dead end with Malcolm. The funny thing is that, hoping Lucille didn't exist and hoping that Malcolm wasn't married but single, she was looking for more than just sex from Malcolm. She liked him. A sexual, sensual woman, a wife, and a mother, she wasn't a prostitute. She was looking more of a relationship than having one-time sex with a John. Yeah, you know stuff. He said avoiding her eye contact. So that we can discuss stuff too, tell me, what kind of stuff do you like talking about and listening to? You know, sexual stuff. I see. Well that narrows it down a bit. She said with sarcasm. What kind of sexual stuff? For a man who supposedly enjoyed dirty talk, she felt his sudden discomfort with the conversation, especially after he sidestepped her question by not going into detail about what kind of sexual stuff that he enjoyed discussing. 
Hoping to tease him into telling her more, she lightly rubbed his big thigh before leaving her fingertips in contact with his growing bulge. Not only will Lucio not give me sex, sadness took hold of his face, but also she refuses to even talk about sex. Anytime I broach the subject of sex, she tells me that she's going to pray for me to resist Satan's temptation. Satan's temptation? I tell her that there's no Satan if it's sex between a husband and wife, but she's convinced herself that sex is only for procreation and against the good book if it's done without having children in mind. Sometimes I feel as if I'm talking to a cult member. Unfortunately, now that she can no longer have children, sex for her is over. Based on what she reads in the Bible, sex is not something to enjoy but to endure as a sacrifice to have children. That's terribly, Malcolm. I feel bad for you. Only be honest with me. She looked at him as if she was a psychiatrist, and he was a convicted felon trying to fool the doctor by using the insanity defense. You're not married, are you? She watched his eyes for an involuntary expression. If Lucille even exists, who is she? Definitely she's not your wife, I know that for sure. Is Lucille your mother? She looked at him trying to read his face, and when he flinched she knew the real story. What are you saying, woman? You're just talking daffy. Maybe we should forget about all of this, and I'll drive you back to Larry. You can keep the money. Lucille's your sister, isn't she? When he put his head down in pained defeat, she knew the truth. Your brothers raped your sister, didn't they? She looked at him hard for a long time before asking her next question. You killed your brothers, didn't you? Continue in the next part.